0: to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM.
1: One, two, three, four. Y'all ready for this?
2: Ladies and
3: to Hard Knock here on the Pacifica Network. Up next on the program, we speak with the brother of George Floyd, for today is the anniversary of his birth. Later on, we explore Proposition 17, and Poor News Network provides us with an analysis of America's war on the poor. All this and more ahead, so keep it locked.
4: Davey D, Hard Knock Radio, hanging out with you this afternoon. Today would have been the 47th birthday for George Floyd. George Floyd, the man who was shown on a video, a horrific video, being killed, murdered in broad daylight by a former Minneapolis police officer, which set off a firestorm of protests all around the country, all around the world. Uh, His family has been knee-deep in the struggle and trying to not only win justice for their brother but also to bring attention to this larger challenge of police terrorism and what steps we need to take politically to put an end to it. Joining us on the phone line this afternoon is Thelonious. He is one of the brothers of George Floyd and welcome to the show my man. How you doing today?
2: Oh man busy day so far. Um, I'm glad everybody is reaching out. Uh, you know, let me know uh, how they feel about my brother, and it's just tremendously right now when you look at uh, like Will I Am, uh, the Black IPs. You have Jennifer Huston, They made videos because they believe that everybody should get out and vote. Thinking about what happened to my brother, Breonna Taylor, people of that nature, things that's going on right
5: now.
4: I was talking with some of your people, and they said that you all have been really involved with. Um getting folks to be politically active, especially in Texas where you're at. Some people would say it doesn't matter anymore. What do you say to them, and why have you taken this route as, uh, as a crucial step to try and bring about justice for your brother?
1: Uh, yeah,
2: the thing about when people tell you your vote doesn't matter, never believe that because if you don't go out and vote, somebody else will make that decision for you and you don't want nobody to be running around making decisions for you that you can make for yourself. You need to know about taxes. You need to know about your kids' funding at the school. Uh, When I was in school, we had three computers, and that's, that's not a good thing. Three computers for like 20 kids in one classroom? That's because the funding wasn't there because nobody voted on it. You gotta think about the communities. It's so much. And it goes greater than that, and it gets better because you have leaders that you got to focus on. It's, it's a lot of different things from the mayors, the attorney general. It's different things. You have to vote on all of this because if you don't, just like I just told you, somebody else will make that decision for you.
4: You're in Texas, Thelonious, and Texas has been knee-deep in trying to do voter suppression. What has it been like? Because I know that in each county, there's only one place that you can do early voting or drop off your box, um, Harris County, which is huge. It it makes the Bay Area, the Alameda County, look very small. It's that big, but there's only one drop-off box. And how have people, in particular, black people, you know, folks like yourselves and others, how have they been reacting to the severe restrictions for voting in 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 Texas, where you're at?
2: You know, uh, the news plays a lot of things, but. As far as me just being out, I see so many people in different areas, uh, early voting. they they out there. Uh, I was at Texas Southern University yesterday. Um, we was getting the young kids to vote. Went from there, we went to a church on the north side, Greens And it was so many people. They had like 150 vans out there. They were just getting people ready to vote. And that's why like that one ballot box, and they can, they can put that out there, but I don't think it's going to even matter because we're getting out and we're voting early right now.
4: Do you think there will be shenanigans that somehow they will lose those ballots or something crazy like that? What what have you seen that people are doing to kind of safeguard those votes?
2: Uh, You know what? I can't even tell you about that situation. Um, right now, I'm just hoping for the best because, hey... My brother, I don't want his death to be in vain. I don't want anybody. Breonna Taylor, Aubrey, uh Daniel Prude, anybody. You know, Sandra Bland. People have died behind this. So me, by who I believe in, you know, I just post it up to a high God and just hope that everything is right, man. I just hope, I hope, because in God I trust that everything will be okay. I can't. Say anything about anybody else?
4: How are you in the family feeling right now? You know, what do you want us to remember about your brother George? And would he have been a part of these efforts right now that you all are doing in voting? You are saying, you know, in celebration of his birthday and remembrance of him? Um, this is what you're dedicating yourself. But what do you, what do we need to know about George Floyd? Uh,
2: just need to know that uh, he was he was one of the good ones that left. Uh, he was an inspirational person he would get you up and moving because he just had a way with words that you know he could say certain things to you um, I did a mural of him uh, we just really we just we just showed it uh, What I think a couple of days ago and if you can go and look at my, my Instagram you might be able to see it but I did it and it's beautiful people came out to check it out and it has up there be the change go vote because he's not alive. And he always said that he wanted to change the world. So since he can't do it and he can't vote for himself, we have to be the change and we have to go vote for him.
4: Is there a particular, um, ballot measure or anything in Texas that would deal with police terrorism? Is there, are there any particular, local folks that you all are looking at that can make a difference Um, I know about 10 years ago we were involved heavily with stuff down in Texas and in Harris County and I remember the goal was to get rid of the sheriff and it got rid of all the judges Um, is there a goal right now this time around to try and uh, you know get some things approved
2: as now like I told you I don't get too caught up in the political stage. But uh, right now, I'm just hoping. Like I just told you, I'm hoping everything goes great. And uh, Congresswoman uh, Sheila Jackson-Lee, um, i just been watching her campaign, and she's like a mother to me. So she talks to me about uh, everything that's going on and hoping that, you know, I'm okay. I'm just... Right now, you're just making me think too back. I'm thinking about my mother and I'm thinking about my brother right now. It's, it's getting difficult.
4: No, I, I'm, I'm hearing that now. I didn't peep it earlier. And we shouldn't take that for granted. A lot of times, you know, the death of any of these individuals when they're high profile, you know, everybody rallies around that and rallies around them. And we often forget, even when we have the family members like yourself. That's your brother, and we can only imagine what the the, the array of emotions um, that you're dealing with. You know, this would have been his forty seventh birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, you're out there trying to do something in his name, um, but you're human. I mean, this is your brother, you know, and and hopefully people that are hearing this can keep that in mind uh, because I think sometimes we expect the family to be superhuman like you you know you can hold it all together have all the answers you know be on point and you're still grieving you know uh, this doesn't go away overnight um, so Thelonious I appreciate you taking time out and uh, you know is there anything that you would want to leave our listeners with on this 47th birthday of George Floyd.
2: Yes. Like I was telling you earlier, I was like, so don't listen to people when they tell you that your vote doesn't matter. If people can stand in the line for hours to buy new and tennis shoes, lines to get in clubs, or to camp out for Black Friday, they should be able to vote for opportunity and change. Go vote. 2020. Stay woke. I
4: appreciate that. Lastly, How how are things progressing with the case? Anything that you could share with us, you know that, you know that can give us a glimmer of of what may be coming down the pipe.
2: Mm, Only thing I can tell you is the George Floyd Foundation Inc. That's what I can tell you. Just go, yeah. Just check that out for me, and we'll talk about everything else later.
4: Thelonious, we appreciate you taking time out this afternoon. We gonna let you roll, and uh, happy birthday to your brother.
2: Oh, one more thing: follow me. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, follow. I want you to follow George Floyd Foundation, which is GFL, or Foundation Inc. And then my name is Felonis underscore B underscore D underscore Change underscore Floyd.
4: Okay, how do I spell the name?
2: P H. My name P H. I L O N I S E.
4: Okay, there you have it. We're going to take a break on Hard Knock Radio. We'll be right back. Let us.
1: Ha ha. Hey, 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 Ho 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 Every set, every hood, barrio to barrio, y'all stand up, stay righteous, speaking to the thugs, one love, we know where y'all at, top, ground Buffalo. So hard knock life, gotta pay your bills. They want a song about bling, but it ain't real. Uh, We speak to the kids and the OGs. Organized, mobilize, be the change you want to see. 415 15's bumping hard knock radio. Brown buffalo, all up in your stereo. And to the youth, lift life like it's golden. Go dumb, go hard, but don't forget where you're going. We from the hood, so it's all to the good. Let us know this, what you're feeling is right. Let's get this understood. It's only one reason why we're here today. We to make real yeah, music so yeah, the people can be yeah, yeah. made. Learning, Learning from the Hornocks, slipping in these Hornocks, listening to Hornocks, pushing in the pork. Learning through these Hornocks, living for this hip hop. Listening to Hornocks, ripping to the pork Learning from the Hornocks, living in these Hornocks, listening to Hornocks, pushing in the pork. Learning through these Hornocks, living for this hip hop.
3: And again, you're tuned to Hard Knock here on the Pacifica Network. Up next, we'll look at Proposition 17 and felony disenfranchisement. We want to thank Making Contact for providing us with this story. A Seat at the Table, Proposition 17, Ending Felony Disenfranchisement in California. We'll explore the political battle to restore the voting rights of six million people not able to vote because of laws that restrict people convicted of felonies from voting. We'll meet criminal justice activists in California pushing to restore the rights of 50,000 individuals on parole through the advocacy of a ballot measure in November's election.
6: I think democracy is stronger when it's fair and inclusive. And when you continue to strip things from us, we don't feel included. So at some point, people gotta see that the system set for us to fail, and it needs to change for us to not fail, but to reintegrate and, um, in a healthy way, and part of that is us voting.
3: That's Richard Morales. After being released from prison in 2019, he was surprised to learn that he couldn't vote in California.
6: my first month of being out, I needed assistance. So I went to the county for general assistance, and um, they provided, a, you know, a maybe 250 to $300 a month in assistance. And they gave me a packet that I needed to fill out. It was mandatory to fill out with all the details. In that packet is the whole voter registration uh, packet. And so I spent two hours. And I was pretty excited because I have never voted my whole life. And so I filled out the whole packet. And then I went and asked the, the director of the transitional house, hey, you know, how could I get this turned in? I'm pretty excited about voting. And he said, no, you can't vote. I said, why not? And he said,
3: because you're on parole. At the age of 20, a court sentenced Richard to life on his first felony case. In the two decades of his incarceration, Richard became a model prisoner. He got sober and earned his college degree. Richard, now 42, works with a nonprofit restorative justice program that helps formerly incarcerated individuals adjust to the challenges of life after prison.
6: I'm on a team on the CROP organization of five formerly incarcerated directors. And we're all formerly incarcerated lifers. We all served a total of 112 years. Two guys on our teams have master's degrees. One has a double master's. We all care about education. We care about giving back. We're gonna be in the business of reentry and workforce development. And I know hundreds of guys who are coming out here with their education. They're coming out here to work. They're coming out here to make a difference in society, to use their time and their talents to make a difference in this world. They're not coming out like the movies portray to sell dope and gangbang and, and you know, that that era is gone. I'm sure there's those revolving door kind of guys, but all I know is the guys coming out here who want to make a difference.
3: Richard is part of a national movement that's advocating for the political rights of formerly incarcerated people by encouraging them to vote if they are eligible and working to restore their rights if they are not.
6: I say, well, if I can't vote, I want to sign up to be one of the people that, uh, you know, stands outside Walmart or wherever, and encourages others to vote. And so, uh, you know, I want to be a part of the community. and want to be a part of the solution.
3: In California, it's estimated that almost 50,000 individuals currently on parole can't vote because of a felony conviction. Ballot measure Proposition 17 in November would automatically restore voting rights after a prison sentence has been completed.
7: You know, it has a ripple effect. A lot of people think, of, you know, 50,000 people, 100,000 people. That may not matter, but when you look at the implications and the, and the ramifications of what can happen uh, when people actually go to the polls and vote.
3: Ken Oliver, the policy manager for Legal Services for Prisoners with Children based in San Francisco, California.
7: It could change the whole uh, trajectory of a state, of a county, uh, of the funds that come into a county, of the resources uh, that come into the county, of a sheriff that's elected, a district attorney. It's, it's very important.
3: Proponents of Prop 17, like Ken Oliver, believe The move to restore voting rights to people on parole would repair long standing inequities and provide parolees with an opportunity to contribute to their community.
7: California and America in general, the West in general, has this history of of us versus them and and, and making uh, people who have been sent to prison or committed a crime part of what I call a throwaway population. Uh, They've made people expendable because what happens is is that whether a person has done a minimal crime like stealing a car or done something that people consider to be, you know, more serious and violent, uh, an assault or even a murder in some cases. Uh, What follows, once people serve their time and and give back to the state what the state says that they've taken, there's a civil death. And that civil death means that when people get out, they don't have a right to housing. They don't have a right to employment uh, because of their felony record. They don't have a right to vote. They don't have a right to participate in society. At Legal Services for Prisons with Children, we champion policy and and legal measures and organizing measures to uh, change the narrative uh, for people that have been to prison. And we teach people to speak up for their own voices and to to give positive demonstrations that contribute to the community. Uh, We do community givebacks. We serve the community. uh, We train people for jobs. We put people in positions to get housing and really talk to people on a regular basis about redemption about the human quality of human capital and human beings and and the ideology of transformation.
3: The current California voting rights law is more restrictive than that of 19 other states, plus the District of Columbia. There are 17 states that automatically restore voting rights after a person's release from prison. There are two states, plus D.C., that have no felony disenfranchisement at all. According to the Sentencing Project, an estimated 2.5 percent of Americans, or a little under six million voters, are disenfranchised due to past felony convictions. African Americans and Latinos are among the groups most impacted by these laws.
8: Unfortunately, California has a long history with felony disenfranchisement and restrictions on voting for people with convictions was actually included in the state's first constitution in the 1800s. Brittany
3: Stonecipher is a voting rights attorney with the ACLU of California.
8: It was part of a wave of um, Jim Crow segregation that passed after the Civil War, and it continues to be in the state constitution. Um, and unfortunately, it continues to have the discipline impact of locking people of color um, out of the voting booth because of discriminatory over policing of communities of color and racial inequalities in the criminal legal system.
3: According to the Public Policy Institute of California, at the end of 2016, African Americans made up 26 percent of parolees, but only six percent of California's adult population. Whites also make up 26 percent of the parolee population, but comprise a much larger share, at 41% of the total adult population. Latinos account for 40% of parolees and 35% of California's adult population. On average, Black American adults are more than four times as likely to lose their voting rights than the rest of the adult population.
9: Not being able to vote It takes you out of that process, so you don't even feel like you're part of your community. You don't feel like you're a a whole citizen, because you have no say-so in anything that's going on.
3: James Willock, now 47, was released in 2020, after serving 28 years. As a condition of his parole, he is not eligible to vote till 2027.
9: You know, first of all, it's hard to find a job based on some of the laws and policies that are in place um, as far as who can hire felons, why they don't have to hire felons, whatever, and then you want to... Once you do get a job, though, you you pay your taxes, you're, you're, you're an upstanding citizen, and yet you have no say-so in anything that's going on, and that's even like on a local level as far as school zones or, you know, um, lunch programs or community centers, uh, where's this money, tax money being used for? I'm in a neighborhood that I live around. I know what's needed in this neighborhood. First of all, I've been a criminal, so I know the criminal elements. what's going on, in here, so who better to have and say-so than someone who's lived that life and now is living another life.
3: James isn't alone in his frustration with being denied his civic rights. Tariq Palmer says being released from prison without the right to vote makes him feel powerless. I feel
2: like my purpose in life is to contribute to the awakening and consciousness of our people. And one of those ways is to be able to vote is to be able to elect people who would change how prison functions, how parole functions, how police function, and not being able to express my voice in that diselection, when it is Black Lives Matters, when it's the, the George Floyd death to Oscar Grant death, where it is more important to be a black man in this society and I am unable to participate makes me feel less than a man. But I know that I'm more than that, so I keep pushing because everyone should have the right to
3: vote. For many returning citizens, felony disenfranchisement is viewed as a form of extended punishment, a way to diminish their sense of belonging. Richard Morellas.
6: You know, I read this book called The New Jim Crow, and there's just new ways of marginalizing black and brown people. Because if you ask them, all they can say is, well, you need to continue to be punished and um, your punishment isn't over when you get out of prison. And I think it's just another way for us to... to set things up for us to fail.
3: Instead of further punishment upon release, Voting rights advocates like Brittany Stonecipher suggest that increased civic participation reduces the chances of someone returning to prison.
8: The states that do allow people to vote upon their release from prison have lower rates of recidivism. There've been a number of studies that have looked at the connection between how restrictive a state's laws are around um, voting rights for people with convictions and how frequently people return to prison and how successful they are at reentry. And it makes sense because when people feel connected to their communities, when they feel like their voices are valued, they are more successful at reentering their community and making those connections again.
3: Prop 17, largely supported by prison reform advocates, offers a fresh new way to engage returning citizens and address the systemic racism and socioeconomic bias in our criminal justice system.
8: I think that people are becoming more aware of this issue and how it continues to create further suppression that continues to block um, people of color out of the ballot box in California and nationwide. Um, again, I think the Black Lives Matter protests have really made our focus um, stronger on that. And in the, in the course of the legislative battle to pass ACA six um, through the legislature and get it on the ballot, just over the last year and a half, three states have reformed their felony disenfranchisement rules and eliminated forms of restrictions that they had previously. So there is momentum going um, across the nation to get rid of this archaic form of Jim Crow voter suppression.
3: As states across the nation grapple with the issue of voting rights for people still incarcerated and on parole, Californians will cast their votes for Proposition 17 this election. If it succeeds, 50,000 people on parole will be eligible to vote. But if it fails, voting rights advocates have pledged to continue the legal fight to eliminate felony disenfranchisement.
6: We ain't going to put up with it no more. We're coming out here ready to make a livable wage, to pay taxes, to be responsible citizens, to own homes, start families. And um, and we, we're, we're, we're not going to settle for what they want for us, and we're going to push beyond all that.
3: I'm Anita Johnson in Oakland, California Again, that story comes to us via making contact You can always check them out at radioproject.org The Bay Area Zone. Hard Knock Radio. Let's go. Big shout to Need and Davy D. Yeah, me
1: On and down at Hard Knock Radio. Hard knock radio. Kinda crazy though. Oakland stand up. Ensemble Big Now. Yeah. Radio. You are now rocking with the best in the West. West Coast, Monday through Friday. Sing it,
5: Chris. East Coast
10: Julian Assange, perhaps one of the best known of the WikiLeaks collective, spent seven years in the Ecuadorian embassy in London until. Under circumstances that remain unclear, his asylum became his detention, pending his extradition to the United States. Why? Because WikiLeaks revealed the crimes of the U.S. Empire in Iraq and Afghanistan, where U.S. forces killed non combatants for fun, including journalists. Assange's group showed memos and video of U.S. armed forces joking while killing and the consequences of the Imperial War based on baseless lies. Assange, a passing on these memos and tapes to U.S. and global journalists revealed the cruelties of Imperial War and how easily such wars are accomplished. That is this crime. It is for that reason that he's in detention again in the United States of America, awaiting the reality of a free press. The question arises, of course, is Julian Assange a political prisoner? I don't think there's any question that can reasonably be asked about that, given the fact that that he is a prisoner and has been held in asylum by governments by states for acts that are legal that are in the public interest and that tend to inform people of that which governments don't want people to know about. There can be no question on this issue and because of that I think you know the answer and as someone who has been charged for being a member of a political organization and convicted and sentenced to death, I think I have some insight on that matter. Julian's run. First things first, who is Julian Assange? And secondarily, why is his struggle of import to any of us? Assange born in Townsville, Queensland, Australia in 1971, is the founder of a global online media service known as WikiLeaks. As such, Assange is a journalist. His group has been a blockbuster, capturing and passing on files and internal memos of governments all around the world. For this, he has been hounded targeted and jailed, now serving over 50 weeks for allegedly jumping bail in Britain to avoid extradition to the U.S., which seeks to jail him for violating the U.S. Espionage Act. As shown, Assange, born into a British Commonwealth state, Australia, is not an American and owes it no fealty. But the U.S. Empire
9: rules the world
10: just U.S. territory. On July 25th, 2010, WikiLeaks published on its website some 75,000 documents on the Afghanistan War. These documents presented a damning portrait of the U.S. Empire at work. WikiLeaks revealed the crimes of the U.S. Empire in Iraq and afghanistan where u.s forces killed non-combatants for fun including journalists assange's group showed memos and video of u.s armed forces joking while killing and the consequences of the imperial war based on baseless lies the iraq and afghanistan wars Are now widely considered to be the biggest blunders in u.s foreign policy for these wars of regime change floated into being on an ocean of lies and misinformation quick remember weapons of mass destruction how many thousands and tens of thousands died based on an american mirage assange by passing on these memos and tapes to U.S. and global journalists revealed the cruelties of imperial war and how easily such wars are accomplished. That is his crime. He wasn't spying. Spies work for governments and militaries. Journalists work to inform people, to broaden the reaches of democracy. In the not-so-recent past, the U.S. Empire used its tools of repression to silence its opponents, even when they were allegedly U.S. citizens. The targeting of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg comes to mind. They were called spies and subsequently electrocuted. The cases of Sacco and Vanzetti, immigrants from Italy, comes to mind. The targeting of the New York branch of the Black Panther Party and the trial of the Panther 21 on trumped-up charges also comes to memory. The question arises, of course, is Julian Assange a political prisoner? I don't think there's any question that can reasonably be asked about that, given the fact that that he is a prisoner and has been held in asylum by governments by states for acts that are legal that this is are in the public
11: Pennsylvania state correctional institution Mahanoy. this call is subject to recording and monitoring
10: that are in the public interest and that tend to inform people of that which governments don't want people to know about There can be no question on this issue. And because of that, I think you know the answer. And as someone who has been charged for being a member of a political organization and convicted and sentenced to death, I think I have some insight on that matter. Julian Assange is a prisoner of a political vendetta. Is he thus a political prisoner? You damn You, When you attack the empire, of course, the empire strikes back. For publishing documents that embarrass the United States, Assange, if convicted, faces over a century, in fact, 175 years in prison. And as a foreign national, the First Amendment to the Constitution does not provide a defense. So, wait. The U.S. can invoke its criminal law for use worldwide, but the Bill of Rights doesn't obtain the foreigners, right? Yeah, that sounds fair. From a Prison Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal.
5: Ay, ay, ay,
1: ay. Stananing, ding, moing. no, 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 dying.
5: Hard knock. Hard Knock ra- Radio Hard Knock ra- 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 yo, peace This is Gifted Gap yo, I'm
9: up? the mighty Chief XL And we are Black Alicious. And who that
5: check this me? out This exactly is
1: Chuck now. D Public Enemy number one And you are This is Sarah Jones
12: And you're radio. listening to Hard Knock Radio This K-Pf. is
1: M1 from Dead Press Right here You know This is Boots Riley from is De for La you. Soul, Please. y'all mm.
3: Mm. We're chilling on Hard Knock My name is Aya hard And you are listening to Hard Knock Radio On KPFA Hi everybody This
1: is Svemi Anikulakbo and to yo, yo, what's
6: up, people? This is your homegirl Mystic, also a known knock. as Do You Got
13: It. This is loot and fire! Blessed love!
1: It's funny how money
2: changes
13: situation.
2: Miscommunication leads to complications.
13: Bienvenidos a Radio Prensa Pobre. Welcome to Poor People's Revolutionary Radio. From the streets to the bus shelters. This is your cojos, muteado Silencio, con voz de migrantes en Resistencia. In studio today with Poverty Scholar, Popoid co-host, Michalala
0: Tiny. How did home get detached from homeless? How did homelessness get unlinked from our humanness? And unhoused humans are no longer seen? How did clean, mean, eradicating unhoused bodies from your cities become a politics catchphrase or an anti-poor-people hate-filled saying? How did our life without a roof get unlinked with the truth of eviction, displacement, gentrification, elders and babies constantly being removed? As pilot tricksters across stolen cities come up with policies to lock in poor and indigenous people's poverty, I have to ask, how did homeless get unlinked from homes? How did humans lose the right to be housed? No encampment bans on stolen land? The violence
13: of sweeps on the stolen streets, from San Francisco to Sacramento to state-sponsored plantation prisons. On this broadcast, we will speak with ruthless radio reporter Crystal Rose Sanchez from the Sacramento Homeless Union about the ongoing struggle with the sweeps, even in a pandemic, and then on to Oakland houseless poverty scholar reporters on the proposed encampment ban. Then we will hear voices from the march on San Quentin demanding the release of incarcerated family in a pandemic and finally how to not call the police ever handbook finally released
0: From San Francisco to Sacramento the violence called sweeps and legislations and harassment of unhoused bodies and lives continues. We're blessed to have on the line one of our powerful Shiro warriors up in the occupied Maidu territory, Washoe, and many other nations, but also known as Sacramento. Crystal Rose Sanchez from Homeless Union, welcome to Poor People's Radio, how you doing?
11: We sued the city, the county, the police department, the sheriff's department, and the public health department here in Sacramento to stop police sweeps, to protect the unhoused folks, to protect everybody, it's not just the unhoused folks, but moving people around is how this contagion is passed around and we won a writ of mandamus which is basically a restraining order to stop the sweeps within the city limits because we were able to prove that the city was in violation of the current public health order now the war that we are facing is that the city has managed to find every gray area they are looking to remove overnight parking and put in two-hour parking meters and no parking wow. zones and and that's the area where thousands of people go for necessities every day. We're fighting that element. We're not in the same, you know, couple miles, same street. Basically, we're f- facing a war with um, a luxury apartment company who bought out the land. Across the street is Hawthorne Hotel, which the city was wanting to implement as a project room key facility. This luxury company just decided to sue the city for trying to house more people in the river district the river district there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people there and so it's going back to a 1986 promissory that they weren't going to be putting more homeless services in this district which in 1986 that might have made sense that was before we had 11,000 people on the streets It's one thing after another. I'm tired of fighting at the local level. This is more of a state level, national level thing that needs to be fought. We're running around in circles, all of us, putting out fires. We have another property now where people have gone. It's probably about four acres, not even a two minute walk from that encampment, which was dispersed. So all the people have basically flooded this lot. This lot is owned by a private property owner who has no problem with them being there. And the city, because they don't want them there, the city and the businesses have now put pressure on code enforcement. Now, code enforcement is going after this owner for—I mean—to charge him a thousand dollars a day. We've gone back and forth with this, and we're like, "How are you going to tell this gentleman who is giving probably the only resource in South Sacramento to somebody that you're going to find him?"
0: How can folk, if they're hearing our voices, how can they help you?
11: We are looking for any attorneys who may be interested. We will even go farther than that, and we are seeking third-year law students. It's time to stop sitting back and being conservative and saying, well, we may or may not win this. It's to the point where people's lives are depending on this.
0: Thank you again to the Sacramento Homeless Union, to you, Crystal, for always holding it down. And I know we'll be talking soon.
13: You are listening to PNA Poor People's Revolutionary Radio. After this short music break, we'll hear from ruthless radio homeless reporters and advocates on the Oakland Homeless Removal Project called The Encampment Bands.
0: So I'm sitting here with a powerful poverty scholar currently housed as one of the Poor Magazine family. Would you tell us your opinion on the? ongoing attack on our houseless bodies when we're on these streets, and what you think of the, quote, encampment policy by the city of Oakland?
2: If there's a sort of policy going on on encampment, our ancestors told the system that our land is not for sale. We, we must be able to live on our land we cannot be restricted from parts of our land our walkabout is our walkabout and it, you cannot change it we still live on our land and to restrict us to certain areas would dogmake the whole system of of intolerable living for the humans that were originally here sitting bull said our land is not for sale
0: Unsell Mama Earth like we doing here at Homefulness and stop this pimping and playing. Thank you, Broken Cloud. The last voice you will hear is from Dale from United Front Against Displacement, recorded by Youth Poverty Scholar Radio at PNN KXU. On the scene, speaking from yet another illegal eviction attempt of Wood Street in West Oakland, houseless residents that Roofless Radio reported on.
11: This encampment management policy is a bunch of it's really just a codification of the thing that the city of Oakland has been doing forever. Now they're putting it in the books so they can eventually displace all working people from Oakland. You know, all people experiencing homelessness or even even who might be housed right now are under threat of being completely displaced from Oakland. It doesn't actually do anything to address the, the needs that people have because that's not what it's intended to do. Uh-huh. It's all under the guise of like health and public safety or whatever, which all as we all know is just a dog whistle for you know clearing the streets, getting people. People out of sight that are considered eyesores by a lot of folks that don't want to deal with people who are struggling every day.
0: And what's the organization you're with?
11: The United Front Against Displacement.
0: Everybody get United Front Against Displacement. Thank you, Dale.
13: You are listening to PNA Poor People's Revolutionary Radio. After this short music break, we will hear voices from the march on the cage called St. Quentin and Saturday called No Justice Under Capitalism.
12: is Toriano Hudson. He is currently in San Quentin. He's eligible for parole in the year 2039. He got his third strike for a DUI. So I want all of you to think about the last time you went to a party and had a drink and drove home. It could cost you your life and not because you were in an accident because the laws are made to charge people that look like me way harder than others. I'm here to say that the men in San Quentin, they're constantly complaining that the food that they're getting is spoiled or expired. They're waiting for hours, food that's delivered to their building at six in the morning. Some days they don't get it until two in the afternoon. They're complaining about the medical treatment that they're receiving. My husband is on the resolve list from COVID. He was diagnosed positive back in June. He was never removed from his cell, never given any special treatment, other than they came and took his temperature every day. We are here to demand mass releases. We want to end LWAP. We need to end enhancements. These people need to serve their time, but they need to serve time that fits the crime that they are doing. So we are here together as one. We are their voices, no justice under capitalism, all or none, sisters with voices.
5: We are here
12: as one, whether you like it or not, we are in this fight together, all day, every day, okay? We
0: are here. The next voice you will hear is a trans sister who was just released from the cage called San Quentin, speaking at the rally.
11: I was in this prison for two years. I got COVID-19, I know how it is. I watched people get sick. I watched people die every day in here. I didn't think I was gonna make it out alive. Everybody who's gotten COVID needs to get out. They need to be released.
0: The next voice you will hear is a man speaking for incarcerated brother Kevin Cooper.
5: He was framed for a quadruple murder back in 1983 in San Bernardino County. The San Bernardino police framed him. They framed him because he's black. So this is a statement by Kevin Since May 1985, when I first arrived at San Quentin, I have been living under the constant threat of man-made death, state-sanctioned torture and murder, first by way of the gas chamber, then later by lethal injection. I have been living under the threat of death for close to 40 years for murders that I, Kevin Cooper, did not commit. I have to remember, and I want you all to remember, As Sister Angela Davis says in the title of her book, Freedom is a Constant Struggle. And I want you all to chant with me, Free Kevin Cooper! Free Kevin Cooper! Free them all! Free them all! Thank you.
13: You are listening to PNA in Poor People's Revolutionary Radio. After this short music break, we will hear excerpts from the Poor Magazine powerful new book, How to Not Call the Police Ever Handbook.
4: Welcome to the How to Not Call the Police Ever Handbook. This book and this work is rooted in what we at Poe Magazine called poverty scholarship, which means a combination of prayer, poetry, theater, love, song, rhythm, and talk story.
0: Stop calling, stop stalling, stop talking while more black and brown daughters and sons are falling. No, I mean stop enabling and colonizing a system that kills more than it ever cures our ills.
13: As a migrante youth, I remember crossing the border when I was about five or six years old. From that sense of understanding early on, I knew that the polis were institution and an entity that were there to harm myself, harm my family, and separate our communities. Since the age of six years old, I never heard the notion that polis, or ICE, existed to protect and serve our communities. The same experience occurs to folks who have lived in poverty from a young age. There are youth who have the sheriffs removed and separate their families due to the inability to pay the rent or the mortgage
0: wealth hoarding itself and the way people are taught to hoard resources and land is a sickness that is absolutely at the core of many of these calls to pole lice and this is just one of the many pole lies join us in the release of this powerful medicine called the how to not call pole lice ever handbook we will be releasing on zoom on October 23rd at 6 p.m. join this conversation hear this medicine and stop linking our safety with the occupying armies of this stolen land for more information go to www.poormagazine.org/calendar for the dates and the zoom link to register
2: it's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication leads
13: to complications. So that's all for this segment of Poor News Network. If you wanna hear any of our poor people's revolutionary radio, you can subscribe to Poor Magazine on SoundCloud channel. Or find and subscribe to Poor News Network on YouTube. Thanks to Anita Johnson, David D and Anthony Fest for the media access. And now you powerful listeners. All power to the people.
3: I'ma still sing my
5: song. I'ma still shine my light, can't stop me. You can't stop me, no. I'ma still sing my song. I'ma still shine my light, you can't stop me.
1: Said we locked down, okay. I'm going in my bag, gonna be a beast, sharpening the skills, working on the craft. Transported the lab to the living room, sheltered in place. I'll be compelled to create, might catch me singing oh Tony, 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 off the balcony, like in Italy, when my neighbor's going viral. Mode survival, got the vitals, stock the cupboards, grocery stores on some other, so alarming. Feeling shopping carts and fighting over Charmin. I'm looking for them vitamins, I'm not a scientist. But if we would've listened to Larry Brilliant, we wouldn't be in this predicament. No more hugs or handshakes fists. We bumping elbows, coughing the public, damn near criminals. Side eyes and smirks. How we gonna pay rent? Can't work on my musician homies out here. Pockets is hurt. They can bail out Wall Street with over one trillion. I'm trying to figure out how to stretch that 1200 Congress need to put a stop to all the rent and mortgage. Put our heads together, we can manifest abundance. Come on. I'ma
5: still sing my song.
1: Jen with the prayers every morning. Got to check in with the spirit so important. Riding the cold with the quarantine. Open mic live streams. Good to see my people still striving. D nice broke Instagram with the liveest party ever on the net. On a really been event. Was you there when Chris Rochelle had him at leash? Let's support our people no matter prestige. Hard times when you got mounts to feed and the gigs canceled. Time to get innovative. We can't sit idle. Every night I go IG live on the piano. And it's helpful. Made a little something on the Venmo.
6: To community radio
5: KBOO
2: Port, Port, Port. This is Norman Sylvester, the Boogie Cat. I've been a member of KBOO.